Hi, and welcome to the Shoot from the Heart podcast with me, Diane Bell. If you want to write a script, make a movie, or quite simply live an abundant and creatively fulfilled life, you are in the right place. Each week, I'll share with you tips, techniques, and real-world information that will inspire and empower you on your path. Thank you so much for joining me. I am rooting for you all the way. Let's do this. Hello, gorgeous filmmakers, screenwriters, and creative souls. Welcome to episode 67 of the Shoot from the Heart podcast, Getting Back on the Horse. Let's talk about this. So you might have noticed, it's been a while since I recorded a podcast, and you might be thinking, what happened to Diane and that podcast that I was quite enjoying? And thank you so much. If you're one of the people that has written to me to say that you enjoy this podcast, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so grateful to you. I took an unintended hiatus. I needed a break from it. And I'm not even going to say I needed a break, but energetically, there was just a break (laughs) happened. So I'm thinking of this as season two. And I want to talk about the whole idea of getting back on the horse and talk to you a little bit about why I'm coming back now and with what energy and what needed to be healed and what needed to be changed and what transformed in me to bring me back here and why it matters. Because to be honest, I think as creative people, one of our biggest struggles is getting back on the horse. Many of us as creatives will do this. We will have an idea and we will do the thing and we will go after it with all our heart. And then we will hit some kind of roadblock, a big one, perhaps a failure of some kind, might be a rejection, but it might be crummy results when we actually make something. And then we fall off the horse. And after that, it is so hard to get back on it. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. It hurts too much. I've hurt myself so badly doing this. I can't get back on the horse. And so we stay down. We never get back on the horse. I have witnessed many artists doing this. And I was thinking about it a lot recently. I was thinking about it with the podcast. To be honest, last year, I made this decision at one point in the year, Alex Ferrari, the wonderful Alex Ferrari had invited me to bring my podcast to the his indie film network, his indie film hustle network. And I agreed to it because I thought it'd be kind of cool. And I thought it would help it reach more people. And I just thought, yeah, I love Alex. And I thought it was the right decision. What it meant is that there were ads on my podcast. You might have heard them. And I felt like, that's fine. Like, why not have ads? People are getting to listen to the podcast for free. It's not the end of the world. But one day, I turned on my own podcast. (laughs) I know, that sounds a little bit weird. It's not that weird. Somebody had asked me a question about, like, where did you answer this? Or can you help me with this? And I was trying to figure out which episode was the episode that would help them. So I was listening to my own podcast, looking for this bit of information to share with somebody. and. I switched on my podcast and I heard an ad for McDonald's. Now, no offense to McDonald's, but I just went, no, I do not want people to come to my podcast and hear an ad from McDonald's. And this is really what derailed me from my podcast last year because I just, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like mine. It didn't feel good. I didn't feel aligned with it. Having those ads on it for random things just felt completely not me. And I realized pretty soon that I had made a mistake agreeing to be on the Indie Film Hustle Network, not because I don't love the Indie Film Hustle thing and I don't love Alex because I really do, but because 
ads are not the thing for me with the podcast. It wasn't my vision for this podcast. It didn't feel right. It was just wrong. Of course, my brain took a while to catch up to my heart. My heart was just immediately like, oh, hell no, <laughs> this is not your podcast. And that's why I stopped recording it. It just felt out of alignment. My brain took a little while to figure out that what I needed to do was gain control of my podcast again, take it off of the Indie Film Hustle Network as much as I love it, not have any ads on it. Hopefully you heard no ads when you tuned into this today. Strangely, even though I have removed it, I clicked on one episode the other day and there was still an ad and I thought, how is this possible? There should be no ads. So hopefully you didn't hear an ad. And I don't want there to be ads with this because it's not the vibe. It's not the energy. It's not the spirit in which I'm creating this. It's not, here's 30 seconds of a McDonald's ad so you get to listen to this podcast. I just want you to listen to the podcast. And I just want to be able to share from my heart and not, not be on somebody else's platform. It needs to be my own. So it took me, it took me a while to figure that out. I just, I, I felt myself just so much resistance around creating the podcast last year. Every time I would think, oh, I should do the podcast, there was something resisting. I mean, it was really this, but it took my brain a while to figure out that it was this. And then I felt like, oh my gosh, I've just let go, right? That thing, I had fallen off the horse. I've let it go. I, what do I do? Oh, da, 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 da. All this kind of inner talk. Now, the reason that I'm sharing with this with you is, as I said, I think there's some lessons to be learned. And I think they are lessons for all creative people. I have another situation in my life, which is really like the big falling off the horse. And this is where I'm going to get a little bit vulnerable today and share with you some stuff I don't think I've ever shared before that I haven't felt comfortable talking about until now. <laughs> and let's see how comfortable I feel now. I'm going to give it a shot. You might be aware that in the year 2015, I made a film called Of Dust and Bones. You might not be aware of this too. There's lots of people that would not know this about me. But I made a film called Of Dust and Bones. I made that film really in reaction to the film that I made before, a film called Bleeding Heart. Bleeding Heart is available on YouTube now. It stars Jessica Biel and Zasha Mamet, amongst others. So it's, it's out there. If you want to check it out, do check it out. Bleeding Heart premiered at Tribeca in February 2015. And to be honest, it's one of those moments in your life that should be a big triumph. It's something that so many filmmakers dream about. And instead, for me, it was quite a tormented experience. It was coming at the end of making that film, two years of my life of so many challenges and so much disharmony and disequilibrium. And it was really just not a great time. It was not a great experience making the film and it was not great being at Tribeca launching it. My instinct at that point in my life was to go back to where I felt safe. And so almost immediately, I was in this rush to make a new film, to have an experience that would be good making a film. I just, after this disaster that had gone for two years, I wanted to prove to myself that I could make a film in a way that was wonderful, that, that, that nourished my soul, that I got to be creatively free, all these kinds of things. So I organized with my friends to go out to the desert to shoot a new movie. I came up with an idea in an afternoon for this film. 
and I wrote it and we raised the money and we went out to shoot it. It's called Of Dust and Bones. And it stars the same actors that I worked with in my first film, Obsolidia, a film that had great success, that played at Sundance, that won multiple awards there and at other festivals and was ultimately nominated for two Independent Spirit Awards. So after Bleeding Heart, this fiasco of Bleeding Heart, I really just wanted to retreat to safety. I wanted to go back to the desert to make a film with my friends with the hope that it would reignite the kind of success that I had had with my first film. Spoiler, in life you can't go back, you can only go forward. So we went to the desert and we made this film and I put my heart and soul into it. I mean, I really poured my heart and soul and I took so many risks in this movie, so many creative risks. In fact, if you see this film of Dust and Bones, you'll see there's actually no dialogue for the first 35 minutes of the film, none. <laughs> That's not a very common thing, as you'll know. So it's a very, it's a very particular film. It took a lot of risks. And I really did it with such a boldness and such a pureness of heart. Made the film, finished the film, wasn't totally happy with it, but, but, but did love it. I'm not going to pretend that I was like, oh, I hate this movie. I, I, I was happy with it at the end. There was something still that niggled me. And basically, I kind of ran out of time because I decided to move and it just, I had to get it done. So I got it done. And we started submitting it. We started submitting it to the festivals. And I really thought we had a shot at Sundance. And we got turned down. I got some absolutely lovely emails from the programmers there, but it was it was a pass. I was gutted. I was absolutely devastated. I know for everybody who gets a rejection from a festival like this, it hurts. But I think I'm going to let you into a secret. It hurts even worse when you've been there before and when you actually know all the programmers personally. It's just 10 times worse somehow because you feel like if, if I got rejected from the slush pile, well, they don't even know who I am and they're not even paying attention. They probably didn't even watch the movie anyway. But in this case, I knew that they had watched it and they had passed on it. And it, it was a very, it was a big blow for me. We submitted it then to a whole bunch of other festivals and we got rejected by all of them, all the big festivals. And to be honest, at that point, we had moved to Denver and I had started a new life. I was actually pregnant. I got pregnant quite soon after we got here. And I really had to just look after myself. I retreated into myself for a while. So I stopped pushing the film. I just didn't have it in me to do it. I was very disappointed by the people who were the producers of it. And I say that with the greatest amount of love and respect for them, but I, they dropped the ball on me too. And they would be the first people to admit that as well. They, they didn't do anything. It was really down to me to get the film out into the world and they weren't there. And so suddenly I found myself pregnant and I knew that I just had to, I had to let it go. I had to just let the film go at that point because I didn't have it in me to get it out into the world. I had to look after myself and that's what I did. Well, cut to, I think a year or two after that, a friend of mine who was a programmer for the Veil Film Festival reached out to me to ask me about the movie. She said, I, I'm just wondering that movie that you made, did, you know, what happened with it and could I watch it? I said, sure. I said, nothing happened with it. It's just sitting on a hard drive and I feel awful about it. And really it was the kind of thing that kept me up at night. You know, that thing that wakes you up at three in the morning and you just turn yourself into torment about it. It was that. It was like that for me. I felt awful about the fact that we hadn't managed to get out in the world. And I felt like a failure because of it. I still believed in the film to some extent, but I'd also lost some faith in it. And I really felt like I had failed, like I had messed it up. So I sent her the film. She said, can I watch it? I said, sure. I sent her the film. She wrote back to me 
within hours, Diane, I've just watched your movie and I'm crying and I love this movie and please let me show it at the Vail Film Festival. And I was like, of course, that's amazing. And I was so happy that someone reacted like that to it. So that's where it had its premiere at the Vail Film Festival. And it was lovely. The actors came, everyone came. It wasn't Sundance, but it was beautiful to actually share the film with audiences. And audiences responded very strongly to it. From that, we were invited to a number of other festivals. As you'll know, in the festival circuit, once you play at one, there's always people from other festivals there. And so suddenly we were invited and it played at a whole bunch of smaller festivals, smaller regional festivals. And everywhere that it played, it got the same kind of response. Certain people, it just landed for them. It's, as I said, not an easy film. There's so much silence in it. It's about a very difficult subject. It's not, it's just not an easy movie. It's not a feel good film (laughs) by a long stretch. So it played like this. That culminated in actually being offered a distribution deal. This is hard for me to tell you this. (laughs) This is where I'm getting really vulnerable. So I, we were offered this distribution deal and it was great. It was, it was a good offer. It was a good offer. And I was like, oh my God. And I got in touch with one of the producers of the film who was still, you know, a little bit involved. The other ones were gone. They were just like, sorry, Diane, you know, I love you, but I'm just not involved with this movie anymore. But there's one of them was still like, okay, still involved. And he's very much my nuts and bolts producer. So I was like, fantastic. You know, we've got a distribution deal. I've got a distribution deal. Help me get this out. And he didn't. <laughs> and we just, we just let it go. This is so shocking for me to admit this. This is really, really hard for me to admit this because I can't believe that I dropped the ball to this extent and that I just passed the buck to this extent. But here we are. So the distribution deal just disappeared. Months passed. We didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. We never got the deliverables. It was just, we let go of it. It just disappeared into nothing. And and the film, to be honest, at this point, I just, I just, I didn't know what to do. I just felt, I, I felt powerless with it. I felt like I know that it's a beautiful film, a special film, that it has some beautiful qualities about it. It's a singular film. It's a very singular film. And somehow though, I just, I felt so blocked and so stuck for years with what to do with it. Well, after a while, to be honest, after five or six years after making it, I just kind of forgot about it. (laughs) And it stopped having a charge for me. Like it it no longer had this feeling of total shame, total guilt, like I messed up. It no longer had that. It was just like, huh, I just forgot about it. It's just like something in the closet, the back of the closet that you don't even think about anymore. But it was still there. It's strange if you see this film. It's about a woman who has been widowed. Her husband was a war photographer and he was killed uh, in Syria. And she has retreated to the desert because she just doesn't want to be part of the world. She just really, really cannot stand the level of violence in the world and doesn't know how to live in the world. So she chooses to live as a recluse in the desert. In the desert, she's creating a kind of work of art, a monument. I don't know why I'm getting tearful telling you this. But she's creating a work of art, this kind of monument, a monument that no one will ever see, a monument that's just for her and for her own healing. I came to see the film as being like my own monument, just like that, something that I had made in the desert that no one would ever see. It was just out there. And I came to just accept that. It was like, it's the film that no one's ever seen. And occasionally someone would write to me and say, hey, what's that? You know, I've heard you made that third film. Is there any way I can see it? And I'd sometimes send them a link. Well, that happened about a month ago. 
one of my friends, I'm going to say friend because I feel like you're a friend if you're listening to this, Doug, <laughs> a friend and uh, somebody that I admire and respect a lot, wrote to me and said, Diane, I'm just wondering, is there any possibility that I could watch that movie? And I said, sure, here's the link. Sent him the link, looked it up. And I hadn't even thought about, as I say, it hadn't even passed my mind or crossed my mind for months and months and months, you know, this movie. So I said, no problem, here it is. Well, he got back to me a day later or two days later. And he's a film professor, so he's very much a cinephile. He's a total cineast. He wrote back to me after two days and said, Diane, this is without doubt your best film. I can't tell you the impact of reading those words. I mean, I just burst into tears. He said, you know, it reminds me of Bergman. It reminds me of Kieslowski. It reminds me of The Passenger. All movies that were total references in this, for this film. He said, there's so much space in it. It's, it's about big things and big feelings, but it's not sentimental. He wrote a whole bunch of things about it and it just cracked me open. I mean, I was like, oh my God. And I realized the extent to which I had lost faith in that film. I'd felt that somehow I'd got it wrong, that my instincts had completely failed me. And that I had failed the film as well. A lot of things. I had fallen off the filmmaking horse. <laughs> and it's funny because over these years, many people have said to me, are you making another movie? What's going on? And I fell off the horse. I fell off the horse. It was no rush to get back on the horse. No rush at all. But Doug's words really lit a spark in me. And after that, that same day, the same day that he wrote to me, and I was really, as I say, I was cracked open. I was just like crying reading his, his letter to me. That same day, I listen to Spotify all the time. I don't know about you guys. I listen to my Spotify Discover Weekly every week. It's one of my highlights of the week is discovering what they've given me that week, Monday. Woo, let's play it. And oddly, this was a Monday. It was a Monday that he wrote to me. So it was a new Spotify mix. And I put on my, you know, put on my Discover Weekly that evening as I was making dinner. And what comes on but the Arvo Park piece of music, Spiegel im Spiegel. If you don't know it, do yourself a favor and just go look it up afterwards. Or maybe I can put it in the show notes here or something and link you to the Spotify Arvo part Spiegel im Spiegel. It's this beautiful piece of music. It's just a oh, devastating piece of music. But the significance of it here is that this was the piece of music that I listened to non-stop while I was creating of Dust and Bones, while I was developing it, while I was gestating it, while I was giving birth to it. This was the piece of music that I listened to all the time. And strangely, or not so strangely, I really hadn't listened to it since that time. It was not on my playlist. I had, I had banished it. Everything about Of Dust and Bones I had banished from my life because I just didn't want to be reminded of it. It was the shame, the pain, the regret. So strangely, the same day or not strangely, this, this piece of music comes on as I'm making dinner and I went, okay, this is a sign. This is a sign it is time to get this film out there. And I know that by getting this film out into the world, I will finally have healed this, this pain. People talk about circles in life, like completing the circle, coming full circle. I have the sense that it's like spirals, that we're constantly spiraling outward. Funnily enough, the spiral is one of the symbols of the film of Dust and Bones, 
the monument that this woman is making in the in the desert is a spiral. It's a spiral. And I see how we we do something, we go away from it, and slowly, slowly we're brought back to it, but beyond it. I'm sharing all this today because, in all honesty, I know that I completely fell off the horse. I've fallen off it in other ways at other times, but this was a huge one for me in my life. I want to be honest about it. I want to see if there isn't something that we can learn from this. Not just me, but for you too. What has happened on your creative career, on your creative path, that has caused you shame, that has caused you pain, that has caused you regret, that has made you think that somehow you weren't cut out for this, somehow you're not enough, you're wrong. Because it's these things that stop us from truly achieving our potential. It's these things. I've carried the shame and pain of that film for quite a number of years, but I'm not carrying it anymore. In the next couple of months, I'm going to be sharing it, getting it out into the world. I'm so excited to do that. I can't wait to share it with you. It's a difficult film, it's a strange film, it's all the things, but it's a film that I am today immensely proud of. And it really has created such a shift in my soul to be able to say that. I can't wait to share it. Let's get back on the horse. Let's be brave enough to get back on the horse. Let's be brave enough to realize that it's okay. It's okay that we fell. Because we fall from the horse doesn't mean that we're a bad rider. Doesn't mean the horse is the wrong horse for us. These are just stories that we tell ourselves. It's safe for us to get back on the horse. I'd love to hear from you if you have had a situation in your life where you've done things that have led to this feeling of falling off the horse. Just want to say it's safe to get back on. I'm so glad to be back here, back in this horse, <laughs> my podcast, and to see what unfolds here. I have some plans for what I would like to share in this coming season. I'm thinking of this as being like the season two of the Shoot From The Heart podcast. So I definitely have my plans for what I would like to share in the coming weeks and months, but I'd love to hear from you too. So if you have an idea for the podcast, if there's anything that you would particularly like to have covered, if you have any questions, and I would love to do this, make this a regular feature of just answering people's questions, giving advice and help on the path of being a writer, a filmmaker, a creative person. So if you have any questions at all, feel free to send them to me, support at dianebell.com and I will be sure to get them. And I would love, love, love to hear from you. I'm so happy to be back here. I can't wait to share a ton of things that I think will help you thrive as a creative person in the coming months. Let's make magic. Let's ride into the sunset together on the horse that we fell off 
I love you so much. Thank you for listening today. Stay connected and I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I know you can listen to so many different podcasts, so it really means the world to me that you chose to listen to this. If you've enjoyed this and you've had any value out of this podcast at all, can I ask a little favor? Could you please share it on social media or go to wherever you're listening to it and leave a review so that other people can find it? I really, really appreciate it so much. I love you so much and I can't wait to see you the next one. If you want to get in touch at any point, send me a message, support at dianebell.com. And also check out my website, dianebell.com and see what I'm up to. Hopefully I'll see you in the social medias. Take care and I'll see you next time.